Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Amen. Thank you so much, Larry. We are in a series, and the series is called Heaven is for Real. This is the fourth uh, message in the series, and uh, there are seven and the, the final message will actually be on, um, I think, um, the 22nd of June. <clears throat> now, the reason that uh, it will be uh, that late and not the Sunday before is because we have uh, Father's Day, uh, which is, I think, uh, the 15th of June, and uh, we'll have a <clears throat> Father's Day message for that. And since we are speaking of heaven in this series... It's absolutely appropriate that on Memorial Day weekend that we continue uh, this series. Of course, we remember Memorial Day in honor and memory of all of those who served in the <clears throat> military and uh, who have now uh, passed on or those who have given their lives in the military. I believe that, uh, or in service for our country, I, I do believe that <clears throat> years ago, uh, actually, probably before I was born, it translated a little bit. When I was a boy, they called it Decoration Day. And uh, <clears throat> you always decorated the uh, graves. And, and I went to uh, New Bethel Missionary Baptist Church in Goodlettsville, Tennessee. And we had a cemetery beside our, our uh, church. And my grandparents uh, that I'd never met before, buried uh, just out in front and to the left of the front door <clears throat> in that little cemetery, and uh, on uh, Memorial Day or Decoration Day, we'd go out there and, and uh, we would put flowers on the graves and, and so forth and so on. So uh, in honor and memory of those who have gone on and those who also served our country, uh, we acknowledge uh, this Memorial Day. We'll have more of a patriotic service on July the 4th, but I don't want to let this day go without acknowledging those who have given their lives uh, for freedom and those that we miss today. Well, the title of the series is Heaven is for Real, and the text for today is <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 11 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the title of the message today is Good Judgment. In September of 2004, on the uh, 25th anniversary, and let me just stop right right here before I, I say anything else. And let me just ask this question in the auditorium before I say anything else. How many of you <clears throat> recognize who those four people are? Would you raise your hand? <clears throat> okay, thank you. How many of you have no clue? Would you raise your hand? <clears throat> All right. It's about half and half. Uh, and I can appreciate it. I wouldn't know <clears throat> who they were did I not know who the guy in the sunglasses uh, is, but because I know who the guy in the sunglasses is, then <clears throat> I know everybody else. Let me go back and start my illustration again. <clears throat> in September of 2004, on the 25th anniversary of their first record release, the rock group U2, <clears throat> and that's U2, just letter U and the number two, <clears throat> became eligible uh, for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, they were aware of the significance of the honor, but <clears throat> the band members, at least at that time, decided that they would not accept induction that year to the <clears throat> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that uh, they would not uh, accept the accolades and the accomplishments. 
And uh, here is what <clears throat> the uh, bass player said. I suppose if people want to shower you with honors, the only reasonable thing to do is to accept them. That's what Adam uh, Clayton had to say. And the drummer, Larry Mullen Jr., said, <clears throat> but it does feel premature. We're trying to stay focused on the big prize. Now, I think that's uh, interesting uh, that they had that <clears throat> perspective on that honor in that particular year. They did accept it uh, a year later. And <clears throat> some of you may, may know that uh, Bono, the, um, the guy with the uh, sunglasses, is a professing believer. He is a <clears throat> professing Christian. And uh, I, I give that opening illustration because I think that it has in interesting application to this fourth message in our series. There's going to be a time when our body of work is going to be considered in heaven. Our work <clears throat> will be held up for judgment. And it is a time of the judgment of reward, not a judgment for sin. I've called this message good judgment because this is a time of <clears throat> good judgment. That being said, let me read for you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope <clears throat> it is known also to your conscience. Most of you know that my wife Jan has a brother who is a judge in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been a judge there for 16 years and was actually just most recently <clears throat> reelected for another eight-year term as judge. Now Jan and I have visited his courtroom uh, several times, and we've watched the proceedings. And in the courtroom, and we have many attorneys in, in uh, uh, this church, not all of you are courtroom attorneys, but you all would have familiarity with the courtroom, and most of us do. <clears throat> in the courtroom, there are different positions. There is the jury, there are <clears throat> the court officers, there's the court reporter, there's the gallery, there's the prosecutor and defense attorneys, and of course there is <clears throat> the judge, and there is the one who stands before the judge. Now Steve's court is a criminal court, so the one who stands before him is a defendant. In heaven, <clears throat> when we are at this judgment seat of Christ, we do not stand there as defendants, um, but we will stand before a judge. And here's what the judge will do. The judge will evaluate the body of our work in our spiritual lives or in our Christian lives. He will <clears throat> look at our spiritual lives and evaluate what we have done and how we are to be rewarded. <clears throat> that is why, first of all, we must always be aimed to please. There's probably not one in this auditorium who doesn't have generally good intentions. I don't think there's anybody here <clears throat> that doesn't want to do the right thing and see the right outcome and have the right motives, at least from <clears throat> your vantage point. There may be someone who has uh, motives that, that aren't as good as I would hope that they'd be, but I will tell you this, that <clears throat> looking out at this auditorium today, I don't know anybody who has less than uh, good <clears throat> or less than 
uh, stellar motives. I think that, that most of you and most of us have good intentions and try to do the right thing. <clears throat> now, more important than how we see each other or how I might see you is how God sees us. What are our intentions in a life that is supposed to be lived for his glory? How God sees me and how God sees you is of far greater eternal value than how we see each other. And verse 9 of our text gives us the heart that every believer should have in this life and will have in the life to come. Verse 9 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's where we got the point that we are aimed to please. And let me say this to you. This verse is teaching that we are aimed to please always. There's never a time when we should not be aimed to please. We are aimed at all times. Whether at home or away, we are aiming to please God. And this gives us some interesting insight into heaven. Paul is not talking about being at the house or away on vacation. Paul is uh, uh, talking about something else. He's talking about being at home in this present body or being absent from the body and present with the Lord. Whether we are at home or away, we are aimed to please God. Now this answers a couple of questions about heaven and how we'll occupy our time in heaven. Here's what the Bible says about our intentions in this life. This is how we're supposed to live this life if we're believers. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, for the believer, the goal in life should be to glorify God. We should glorify God in our way, that is our manner of living. We should glorify God in our walk or the very paths of our lives. Paul tells us that in heaven, we're going to have the same goal to fulfill in heaven that we have on this life. What's the difference between our goal in this life and our goal in heaven? Well, our goal in heaven will not be, or our walk in heaven will not be restricted by the presence of sin in our lives. It sometimes is difficult to maintain this goal uh, in this life. However, uh, we can and we should try to do so, and we can live for His glory in this life. And let me just say this, we will live for His glory in the life to come. Our aim is, or should be, to live for His glory and at all times, and in pleasing Him, always be, now watch this, on target. Notice that Paul said earlier, we are aimed to please God. Now, if we're aimed to please God, then we want to be on target. Now, I'm going to take you all to seminary for a little while, and uh, here we are in seminary, and those of you who have gone to seminary... Welcome back. We're going to uh, have a little seminary lesson. In seminary, uh, I learned, and probably all of you learned, that the definition of sin is missing the mark. That's what the definition of sin is. It's missing the mark. Now, let's talk about that. Imagine aiming at a target and missing it. That is like sin. 
when our aim is at this direction and we miss it, <clears throat> it is errant. We miss the mark. Our target is to please God at all times and in all <clears throat> that we do. That which does not please God in our lives is sin. And the reason is because it misses the mark. Arthur, that's why I said to you earlier, you're going to find out whether or not you have sinned. Because Arthur came out of a Sunday school class and he was lamenting the fact that somebody had made some sort of a bread uh, in his Sunday school class that was really, really good. And he ate uh, evidently most all of the bread and very few others got any <clears throat> of the bread. And he said right there standing in church before it started, well, I've sinned. And I said, well, I'm going to give you the definition of sin. You can decide whether you did or not. But Arthur, based on what you said, you probably did sin. Now, <clears throat> that being said, we are to aim to please God. Here's an interesting thing for me anyway. Sometimes people will ask me a question about whether or not I think something is a sin. That happens all the time. <clears throat> They'll say, uh, Pastor Ray, preacher, whatever it is they call me, hey you, <clears throat> do you think that so-and-so is a sin? And, and here's, here's the right response. <clears throat> the right response is, it really doesn't matter what I think. That's the right response. <clears throat> now, I know that people love to have a point of reference. I'm like the walking Wikipedia for <clears throat> what's sin and what's not sin. And, hey, let's call the preacher and see if I can have this or do this or do that. <clears throat> That's really not the point. The question is in whether or not it is on target in the life that you're trying to live and pleasing God. Is it dead aimed at the target of pleasing God or are you missing the mark? If you're missing the mark, <clears throat> if it's not on target, it is sin. So here's what that means. You and I have to evaluate the paths of our lives to decide if we are on target for pleasing God. <clears throat> and if we're not on target, then we're in sin or we are sinning. It is a whole new way of thinking for most of us. A lot of us want to think about, well, do I have the liberty for this? Do I have the liberty for that? Do I have the liberty for... Could, could I just say this to you? You're washed in the blood of the Lamb. You live in liberty. That being said, the bigger question is whether or not you are on target. If you're not on target, <clears throat> then it is is sin. That's the bigger question. It's a whole new way of thinking. Rather than the right or the wrong of life, the question is in whether or not we are on target or not on target. When we begin to think like this, it gives perspective on all of our decisions. Every decision. <clears throat> How are your, your decisions of life keeping you on target for glorifying God? Are you... <clears throat> in the activities or actions of life that keep you on target. You say, okay, well, I'll tell you what my activities and actions are, and you tell me whether or not I'm on target. You're missing the point. I can't do that. <clears throat> you have to do that. If you're a believer, if you're born again, <clears throat> your life is designed to be on target, to live on target. And there will come a day when you will stand before God and you will discover 
how you've been aiming with the whole of your life. <clears throat> You're going to get your score, so to speak. There's a path of life that all of us to walk, and our target is to glorify God in this life. So we must always, always be aiming to do the right thing, the thing that promotes and doesn't hinder the glory of God. And could I say this to you? We almost always know. <clears throat> we almost always know if we are thinking, whatever I do is to glorify God. That is my target. That is what I'm aiming at. Whatever we do, however we act, whatever our response may be, and on and on and on, <clears throat> we almost always know whether or not we're on target. And that's what our judgment is going to be, <clears throat> whether or not we're on target. We will be rewarded for that which was on target in our lives. <clears throat> this understanding can help us appreciate some instruction in the book of Romans. That this has a, a lot of application. In fact, it has, I can't even name the number of applications that it has. <clears throat> but it'll help us with decisions in this life. The question isn't always whether or not we can, but whether or not it is on target. Now, Paul had a big discussion with the Romans about this in his letter to the Romans. You remember that whole thing about eating meat and then, you know, if it offends my brother to eat meat. And so, you know, that whole thing there, <clears throat> that whole thing is about being on target. The whole thing is about being on target. Here's, here's what he comes down to this, verse 23 of Romans 14. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not pre proceed from faith is sin. Now, here's, here's what that's saying. That's saying that if you're not confident of your aim in your life and in your activities of life, if you will, and in your spirit and in your decisions and on and on and on, if you're not confident of your aim, you're missing the mark. You will miss the mark. Now, I can tell you from having shot a gun multiple times and and having gone to target practice and all of those kinds of things, that there is a way to shoot a gun to hit the mark, to hit the target. But there are many more ways to miss the target. And, and the reality is that we miss the target more than we hit the target in our aim to please God. James clarified this thing about that Paul introduced in Romans 14. James clarified it with something that is sometimes difficult for us, us to understand. But if you understand that your goal is to be on target, okay, that's your goal. And by the way, let's remember this is a heaven series. Why is it your goal to be on target? Because one day we're going to stand before God and he is going to judge us based on our target practice, okay? And so here's what James says. In James 4 17 so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin you know what that means that means for everybody that knows where the target is but says ah I'll shoot in this direction it's sin it's absolute sin someday the saved will appear uh, <clears throat> for good judgment it is then that we will come to a better appreciation of a life that is lived 
on target. We are aimed to please because we will appear for judging. Remember that we've titled the message Good Judgment and for good reason. There are a lot of kinds of judgment in this life. In this life you can be judged in a a contest to determine your skill level, uh, whether you placed in the competition. In a civil court you can be judged for how you'll be treated by the party other party in the litigation or as a party in the litigation. You can be judged by your friends and neighbors as to what kind of people or person that you are. You can be judged for sin. You can be judged for crime. There's a lot of things. There is coming a day when evildoers will be judged for their sin, but that is not the day that we're talking about. We will speak of that in this series. That is the great white throne judgment. That is not the day that we're talking about. You say, well, how do I make sure that I'm not in that judgment and I'm in this judgment? It's very simple. You you place your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary who died on the cross for your sins and mine. By grace are you saved through faith. So there is that day, but that is not what this day is. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Again, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Again, Romans 14.10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brothers? For we all will stand, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now before discussing a couple of particulars about this judgment, notice that all of us that is the saved, all of us are to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In both Romans and 2 Corinthians, the words are directed toward the believer. This this is an epistle written to the church at Rome. This is an epistle written to the church at Corinth. So these words are written to the believer. Remember, all the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't all written to us. There are a lot of things in the Bible that was written to someone else, but it was written for us. In Romans, the the word was written to the church at Rome, but it was written for the church at 3000 North Meridian Road. It was written for the church at Corinth, but it was written uh, to the church at Corinth, but it was written for the church at 3000 North Meridian Road. So it's directed toward the believers. The judgment seat of Christ is a believer's judgment and it takes place just after the rapture that we spoke of last week. You remember the message last week? Rush day? Well, after rush day is going to come the judgment seat of Christ. So here's here's the setting for the judgment seat of Christ. We are all, all of us in this church age and all saints from the past, we are all together. We are in heaven and now we're in our glorified bodies. Our glorified bodies are those bodies, are our bodies what they will be when we are like Jesus, okay? So whatever maladies or frailties or whatever gravity or anything else is done to us in this life, that won't be the glorified body. The glorified body will be primo, okay? I will tell you this though, when I get to heaven, if I find out that the glorified body is fat, and I wasted all of my life trying to not glorify God with, <clears throat> then I'll be ticked. But I don't think that's the case. <clears throat> so here we go. 
we are in, uh, we are in, in presence. Now, uh, the presence of God. <clears throat> in eternity, there are very few defined spans of time because it's eternal. A day is as forever with the Lord and forever is as a day and so forth and so on. So <clears throat> there are very few uh, determined spaces of time. However, for this judgment seat of Christ, there is a determined space of time. Let me tell you what that determined space of time is. It is a seven-year period of time. The seven-year, and I'm, I don't want to go get too far in this because I don't want to lose you, but, but the seven years between when there is the uh, uh, the rapture, and then uh, when there is uh, the return of Christ during that seven-year period of time. This is the time of the Antichrist on, on earth, and like all the other topics we've talked about, this is a whole different series. For simplicity's sake, let's do this. Please understand that while the tribulation is folding on earth, the judgment seat of Christ is taking place in heaven. Now, I think this. I think a lot of us are preoccupied with what's going to happen during the tribulation. Man, what is going to happen during the tribulation? This and this and this. And we, <clears throat> we read about it and watch it like an episode of 24. You know, man, alive, look at this and look at this and look at this. And we're all, uh, we're all jazzed up about what's going to happen during the tribulation. Listen carefully to me. You do not want to be concerned with the tribulation during the tribulation. You want to be in the presence of God concerned with the judgment seat of Christ. And the only way to make that happen for sure is to know for sure that you're on your way to heaven at the end of this life. And that's uh, uh, done this way according to Jesus. He said, you must be born again. That's the way that that takes place. Now look, one of the reasons that it takes place during this time is, is because at the second coming of Christ, that is when Jesus comes with him, he is going to bring with him the saints and we are going to rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. Now again, I say to those of you who say, I don't believe that stuff, you, you, you don't really have a choice. It's all of it or none of it. Believe it all or not at all. You say, but I believe in the virgin birth, and, and I believe in the resurrection, and I believe in the creation. Can you tell me what's more incredible about the second coming of Jesus and the reigning on this earth for a thousand years than those things that you already believe in? There's so many things that I believe in that I don't understand and never will understand. I don't understand how a brown cow eats green grass and gives white milk. Maybe some of you do. I don't. But it doesn't stop me from believing in milk. I don't go to the grocery store and go past the milk aisle and say, I don't believe in that. What do you mean? I just don't believe in that. I know good and well those cows are brown and the grass is green and that white milk, that's not white milk. That's something. That's a conspiracy. Look, part of our reward is the opportunity and the ability to rule and reign with Christ. Now with that understanding, let's take a look at the purpose and the principle of this judgment. First of all, let's see the place. Very, very quickly, it's very obvious. The place is in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. This judgment, seat of Christ, is in the presence of Christ. It's in heaven. What is the purpose for the judgment? Well, we've emphasized that this is a reward and not a punishment judgment. And the reason it's not a, a judgment of sin is because sin has already been judged. Now, if you're not fully following this, I want you to just dial in for the next three minutes, and then you can dial back out if you want to. Listen very carefully. 
when we receive the gift of salvation from Christ, we are partaking in the sacrifice that he made for our sin once and for all. Here's two verses. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly are eagerly waiting for him. Hebrews 10, 10. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now listen to me. <clears throat> listen to me, please. When you are saved, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again, <clears throat> and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Listen to me carefully. That is all, all unrighteousness. I was eight years old when I was saved. Eight years old. I remember being saved. I got saved. I've been saved. Still saved. Thank God I'm saved. All right, listen carefully, please. Since eight years old, I went through my teen years. Do you think I went through my teen years without ever missing tar the target? <laughs> and then I went to college. I went to college. <clears throat> my friend Ron Williams, whose beautiful granddaughter was dedicated here this morning. Ron Williams lived next to me in the college dorm, my very first term in college next to me. May I say to you that if the missing the target means that we're going to go to hell, if we don't get saved again, both he and I are on fire. You think I navigated all of college without missing the target. I've been married to Mrs. Ray 42 years. My aim has always been to make her happy and to be a positive influence in her life and to never become angry or to pout or anything like that. And she will tell you that if that is the determination of my salvation, her husband is going to split hell wide open. <laughs> when I was eight years old, the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, folks, please. I didn't have a whole lot of sin in my life at age eight. I wandered in sin from sandbox to sandbox. But at that age, Jesus Christ's blood cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And the power of the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me from the unrighteousness back to the beginning of my life, in the present of my life, to the future of my life, to this day in my life, until I finally stand before him because when I stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, it is not a judgment for sin. Sin was judged on the cross of Calvary, and I received that payment for sin. I hope you did too. By the way, that's shouting hallelujah, jump up and down, have a fit and fall back in it stuff right there. 
The life we now live is aimed to glorify God because our sins are forgiven, covered by the sacrificial blood of the sacrifice of Christ. They are cast in the depths of the sea. They are placed behind the back of God so that he sees them no more. They are done so that we live our lives in gratitude of grace. To fail to live in that gratitude is to miss the mark. To really miss the mark. If the mark is here and you say, well, I'm saved, so I don't even have to think about living for God anymore. Once saved, always saved, which I totally believe. You say, I don't have to aim there, so I'm going to aim over here. Guess what? As soon as you change your aim, you miss the mark. If you spend your whole life shooting in this direction and you stand before the Lord and the body of your work is, is, is there and and the Bible says that you are saved yet so as by fire. Do you know what that means? That means that you're going to miss the fires of hell because uh, you did trust in the blood of the Lamb, but you were aimed in the wrong direction your whole life. And it's kind of like the guy on Survivor at the end of a reward challenge, got nothing for you going back. Except we get to stay with the Lord. I'm going to talk to you and a subsequent sermon about when the tears are wiped away. But I will tell you this. I do not believe that the tears are wiped away here. I believe some of the tears are turned on here. I really do. Let me get back to sermon. Second Corinthians 5.10 again. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. In this life, we are building a body of work. It is not defined by one page. It is not defined by one chapter. It is a whole of life. Clearly, we miss the mark a lot in aiming. That being the case, we must always try to return to the mark. That's what rededication is, by the way. And let me just say something else. Let me say something very, very important. Very important. We that is the average believer naturally seeks those areas of life and people of life who make us feel good about ourselves we like to be affirmed more than discomfited however there are times when we need to deliberately place ourselves in those areas of life that are a little uncomfortable for us because it helps us to reset our aim on tuesday i went for my annual physical I love my doctor. He's a member of the church. He's here today. He's a great guy. But my favorite thing is not going, is, is, is not going to see him. That's not my favorite thing. Oh, goody. I get to go to the doctor. My, my dentist is a member of this church. And I love my dentist. And I appreciate my dentist. But the truth is that when I'm driving to my dentist, I don't go, oh, goody, 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 goody. I get to bit. My mouth poked on and drilled and picked. And then they say, you know, your gums are bleeding. Well, yes, you've been stabbing them for an hour. (laughs) Not my favorite thing. However, when I go to both of those places, I have something of my aim refocused. 
and I find out how I'm doing and what I need to do to make it better. And if I don't go back to those places, I'll just continue to cholesterol myself into the grave or continue to sugar myself into the grave or continue to this or that myself into the grave. I go to see those guys to set the reset button and that's why believers ought to be in the house of God every time the door's open. I know I only got three amens, but that's the truth. It's the preaching of the word and the challenge of believers that helps us to stay on target. Here's what Paul said to Timothy on that subject. In 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We're in that time, folks. We're in the time when people want to hear what they want to hear. I want to, we, years ago, Burger King introduced Have It Your Way, and we've been trying to have everything our way ever since we first heard Burger King say it. And we want church our way, and we want the Christian life our way, and we want God our, our way. And, and they, they make Miller Light and Bud Light, surely they make a God Light. And that's the way we want him. But may I tell you that when we stand before the Lord and, and he looks at our aim, we will not be, we will not be uh, judged for reward based on a light version of God. It will be the true and living God. And here's the principle for the reward, whether good or evil. And very quickly, let me just tell you this, <clears throat> that the word good there means good and the word evil means good for nothing. Oh, I had a cousin one time who was a good for nothing. Just a good for nothing. I don't want to stand before the Lord in the good for nothing group. Okay, are you good for nothing? Stand over here. Good for nothing? Well, you know, yeah. Because I'm going to measure your work, whether they're good or good for nothing. And I'm looking at the body of work. You did nurse a rabbit back to health one time, but then you ate it. <laughs> well, we're aimed to please. We're going to appear for judging. And the best thing for us to do is to be aware of God. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we, are, uh, what we are is known to God, and I hope is known also to your conscience. It's not popular today to speak of the fear of God. We don't like that. We don't like to think of God in those terms. We want to think of God in positive and affirming terms, and, and they're appropriate too. But I've got to tell you something. There's a fear and a reverence and an awesomeness about God that we'd better remember. I was talking to somebody the other day about leadership, and I was talking about what leadership is. And, and in, in all of leadership, there's a couple of things. There's a certain degree of fear, and there's a certain degree of love. Real leaders are both feared and loved. But anybody, any leader that is only feared is not a real leader. They're an intimidator. 
And anybody that is all love and doesn't have some degree of respect built in, they're widely loved, but they rarely lead. When it comes to the leadership of God, he is the one who is both feared and loved. Just because it is not as popular today doesn't mean that it's without merit. And so we keep our eyes on the target and we are always aware of God. We're aware of God in two things. First of all, in our work. Our work is to persuade others and to do so with the understanding of the fear of God. If we believe that there are two destinations at the end of this life, that there's heaven and that there's hell, then we should spend the body of our life working trying to keep people out of hell and getting them into heaven. There are many aspects of living for God. There's praise, there's worship, there's holy living, there's stewardship, there's testimony, and all of that. But it should all build to give God the ultimate glory, and the ultimate glory is to birth others into his family. We have a family down here today that rejoiced at the the dedication of a beautiful child. And when that child was birthed into that family, there were tears of joy and gratitude and happiness and on and on it goes. And may I say this to you, that whenever there's a birth in the family of God, the Bible says there's joy in the presence of angels. So we must be aware of our work and finally aware of our way. As God is aware of us, we are to be aware of ourselves. Here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that self-awareness is not something that we spend a lot of time on these days. All of us have seen those pictures uh, on the internet, the people of Walmart. You've seen those pictures. It's, It's hard to imagine that people do not see themselves the way that other people see themselves. And by the way, just for the record, that's the only picture of the people of Walmart that I could put uh, in a church service. (laughs) Everything else is way off. And I can tell right now that before the afternoon is over, you're going to do a Google search of the people of Walmart. I sometimes think that that people dress as they do just to make the fashion uh, page of the people of Walmart. Could I assure you that your pastor and your wife are not among them that we are aware of ourselves usually when we think that we're aware of ourselves. However, (laughs) I saw Tom Waite yesterday uh, at at, uh, Lowe's and I was talking to him and we had a good time having conversation. And then I saw him earlier today and I walked back and shook hands. He looked at me and said, well, you look better today. And I went, oh man, I must have looked bad yesterday. (laughs) I knew what he meant. Physical awareness is important, but spiritual awareness is even more important. There'll come a day when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be very much aware of the life that we've lived. This day in heaven will be very real, which tells me that we should get real about heaven before life is over. I close by asking you the question, is heaven real to you? Do you know that one day you'll stand before God either at the judgment seat of Christ the good judgment, or you'll stand somewhere else at the great white throne judgment, the bad judgment. We will all be judged by the Lord. Live today like you wish you would have lived when you stand before the Lord. And the reason is because heaven is. 
You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.